Hi, Kath. Hi, Don. Hi, Sophie. Hello. Sophie doesn't have a mic because we have a guest today. Say hi, AJ. Hello. Hey. Hey. Special day. Special day. Very special day. Very exciting. Happy New Year to those who celebrate today. Rosh Hashanah. Yes. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Very exciting. My New Year comes at the end of October. Yes. And everybody else will drink champagne in January. I, okay. I think celebrating right now. Today's a new day. You know why? Because I got share on the brain. Uh, I am obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with it. I'm so excited. I'm finally going on vacation. And I wish you share. Yes. I'm aligned to that. <laughs> I am yeah. so excited. I can't even stop thinking about her. I, I have a friend who says that, that, that today is the first day of the rest of our lives. Well, yeah. <laughs> My mom had that needle point. <laughs> <laughs> she, did. <laughs> she did she did she had a needlepoint thing and it was uh framed in those 70s days when they used to frame needlepoint mm-hmm. i did, my only needlepoint i did is i did the i love you sign without the other finger and i gave it to mom and she still had that she still had it before she passed it was so it was without like, the other finger isn't that like devil horns yeah no it's like i love you i forgot the thumb so it, yeah, like devil horns. so it was really yeah. uh, you know it was really like uh, rock on mom <laughs> it was like a do sign like yeah that's so yeah. funny that was freudian needlepoint it was such a friend <laughs> i was like, what so fourth grade i forgot so, the thumb oh wait we had last week we had uh we just dropped our last episode about synchronicity we had that crazy experience with our cousin it's crazy aj you gotta listen to it all right okay. and um also with synchronicity again this week you know how you scroll in facebook and instagram and you know things catch your eye and i believe things catch your eye like um i was telling aj that i believe that cardinals i see cardinals and it's a sign from dad yeah and it catches your eye and you're like oh that's dad but i believe like whatever your track your mind track is you will pick things up yes okay and facebook somebody shared that Uh, An article that came out, uh, a Chicago professor did this experiment with 700 uh, riders on the subway. Yeah. And then they just did it in London. Mm -hmm. And the idea was to talk to strangers and how it benefits you. And it crosses divides. Mm -hmm. Right. And Kathy and I, earlier in the month, we said our goal we went on a was sister and vacate uh, adventure where we were going to a health expo or holistic health expo right. and then great adventure. And our only goals that weekend, our expectations were to talk to strangers and roller coasters and roller coasters. <laughs> and we did both really well. Yes. And both of us and it benefited us greatly. So I met AJ by talking to a stranger. Yes, you did. Well, he actually talked to me and I responded. So I will give him, he was the alpha in this situation for sure. First of all, we're never going to hear that again. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard you say somebody else be alpha in the conversation. Because we're the same person. We're actually twins. We're separated at birth. And I know people make jokes about that. And there are people out there that I feel a twin ship with mm-hmm. but you and i actually i really feel i that. see it it was so funny it's like i really feel like i'm talking to the sisters are in like i'm not 
part of it. Like you guys really have this. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a karmic thing, and I know I'm going to be able to read it later because yeah. I want to find out what's going on here. Yeah. But your chemistry is outstanding, AJ. You have like the most. Uh, warm presence and welcoming and you're like us we just automatically feel so comfortable like you know I always feel comfortable I feel comfortable among strangers and I'm and I'm somebody who like can make you know the energy well you just took it over and you like you just did that work I met him for it was 20 amazing. minutes and then invited him to come to my house overnight and it I've never yes, done that did. I've yeah. never done mm-hmm. that I mean, actually, I've done that. I've done that. I say, wait. Besides, like, fuck partners. Besides random fuck partners. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, besides that. And, of course, we would do that. Right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. There's a profit motive in that. Like, why not? Yes. Right. Um, Also, like, if someone, I have had friends who were, had a friend stranded in the area, and they could come over in a rescue. This was, like, come socialize. So, we were at Terrificon, which is the Comic-Con in Connecticut and I was helping Chris sell his stuff and I was just doing my thing hanging out with Chris and AJ was there with his friends and AJ looked at me and he was like I love your glasses and I said I love yours and then we started talking but we were talking over people so I couldn't hear him Mm -hmm. so I came back around and we just instantly connected it was an instant connection and for 25 minutes, we were, A, blocking the entire aisle. Thankfully, Chris had the corner yeah. um, booth in that aisle. Yeah, we made because people we walk around us. down yeah. in the terrific con. Fuck off. Yeah. Um, and also, I think that I said we are twins at least three times during yeah. that time frame. And in addition to that, we also became unaware of the fact that the rest of the people were there. Yeah, absolutely. It was like West Side Story... In the stupid dance. Of course. The, it was the I dance scene. It was the dance scene when everybody <laughs> floated away. Yes. And we were, oh, wow. I lost track of time. And we just, how do we connect with each other? Mm-hmm. And we did. And I have had those kind of conversations in my social past. And some people do follow up or they follow on social media. And there's a little friendliness and there's acquaintances. But you were like immediate follow up. And then... um and, you know, I told you, you know, like you said, we told our deepest, darkest secrets in five minutes. In the first five minutes. First five minutes. The first five minutes. We were we were connected. We were um, kinsmen. We were bearing the ugly in the first five minutes. 100% at the Comic-Con <laughs> with men in leotards walking around us. Well, I don't think it gets they better than that. Yeah. yeah, there were It doesn't cute. get better than that. Mm-hmm. Right. And one of the things and one of the reasons why we brought you here is that our listeners of the podcast know the story uh, of our mom. Um, Our mom died in 2016. We believe that she was on a suicide path. She made such terrible choices. She was not proactive, blah, blah, blah. But she chose to get the sleeve surgery. And it was bad decision and bad communication and bad decision and bad communication. And eventually 28 days after her procedure, she died of complications. She actually died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Mm -hmm. And I uh, blurted out to you that um, I've never met somebody who's 
to had bariatric surgery, except that um, I actually have a friend who did have that and she seems to be well, but I don't, she's not in my life regularly. I think from social media, right. she looks happy and healthy. Well, it's anyone a good decision can look good for her. on social media. Yeah. So I don't know. And I, if she, she might be a listener if she is, I'd love to chat with her about it. But besides her, I don't know anyone who took that bariatric path and made a life commitment to change their path for the better. They might have lost a lot of weight and then they've gained it back or it's not it doesn't seem to have changed their life for the better. And you were like, "No, that's my narrative." Like Absolutely. 100%. And I was like, "Oh my god, we need to talk because I feel like it's a hanging chad in our life." In that Kathy and I don't really have a full circle to that narrative. We just don't. No. Right? No. So um, that's why you're here. So um, tell us exactly who you are. Wait, before we do that, can I do a disclaimer? Well, I was going to have, I didn't I say earlier, let him <laughs> say who he is, and then we'll do the disclaimer. <sighs> so shut up. All right. All right. I was trying to be helpful. I just wanted to cover up. Doing my job. All right, go ahead. Hi, AJ. Hi, Kathy. <laughs> go ahead. I, I, I acknowledge your passion for um, order. I thank you. I thank you. Um, Don't take her side right now. No, 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 no. Don't play both sides. <laughs> so that's the beauty of me. Um, you know, th- there's there's absolutely nothing um, in life that I cannot see as good. There's no human being that I've ever met that has not added value to my life. And that's where you are connected to Kathy. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. When he came that's over, right. he was like, by the way, I'm a Kathy. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. 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 You guys are very much the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So who is AJ Lido? Um, so um, 43 years old, um, the brother of a intellectually disabled um, woman who is absolutely my principal teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, she's gifted me with patience among a million other Mm -hmm. things. Um, and, um, I'm the son of an, uh, Irish mother, Italian father, um, and previously, um, in, you know, former chapters of my life, you know, the victim of life circumstances, Mm -hmm. um, recently, um, in the last two chapters, um, with, you know, prior to the one that I'm presently writing, um, and the, when I refer to chapter, I mean the chapters of my life. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, I am. Um, I learned in the past two chapters that I get to choose. Um, so who is AJ? I'm a chooser. Mm. Um, I live by discernment. Um, I live response-able mm-hmm. decisions. Um, there's no reaction that is intentional in my life. Um, in 2005, I had the Ruin Y gastric bypass procedure. Um, at one time, I was stopping at a commercial laundry uh, facility associated with the University of Massachusetts Medical Center, where a woman who, no joke, weighed 71 pounds in my head. Uh, she was the thinnest woman I've ever seen, thinner than any um, crack user that I've ever seen. But this woman was exceedingly healthy. She was a beautiful woman, just skinny, 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 mini. She was like a bookmark in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and she would stand around the corner to tell me how much I weighed. Um, and for two years, it was 560, 570, etc. My highest officially recorded weight um, was 570 pounds. Mm. Um, and I, um, in the experience of preparing for um, and truly living 
after the surgery, um, I've lost 300 pounds um, and maintain um, an, that average of 300 pound weight loss. And I'm rounding, you know. Thank you. Word up. Clap that out. Damn. Yeah. Clap that um, shit out. You know, technically speaking, you know, today I'm probably around somewhere between 310 and 315 pounds. You look fabulous. Thank I you. just want to say you look stunning. Thank you. You look strong and mm. you're the way you stand, you're very confident. You're um, in comparison, like, um, you know, I, I, my highest was over 300, like 310, mm. 309, 310. And I'm not 310. I say, I just say I'm not 310 pounds, but I feel like and 115. I feel like 115 pounds compared when you, I'm not, but I like, I feel that way mm. with the freedom that's happened by that choice of maybe trying to feel healthy. Your feet is like, just you saying that is just, uh, you know, my mind just went woo, like just fast forward. And, um, that says a lot of determination and will. So I love that we're going to have this conversation. Yes. Yeah. And I think that you are, um, a beacon of hope for a lot of us who have, have had to handle the process of just even how we are in our weight. I never want to say losing weight because that's not necessarily healthy all the time, but I'm mm-hmm. saying weight loss, but just talking about our appearance, our self-esteem, why we get, the, why we become unhealthy. What can we do to become healthy? There's just so many aspects to it. And your, uh, just your, your energy and alone is freeing so much of just even having this open conversation. So I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you engaging. Mm. So before we talk about um, all the aspects of how you got to where you are mm-hmm. here, Kathy, why don't you give us our disclaimer? Oh, is it my turn now? Yes. Is it my turn? Yeah. Alpha. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is for entertainment purposes only. Uh, this is we're not uh, certified to give medical advice. No. Uh, your choices are your choices. We're here to support, but we uh, recommend that you seek me- uh, medical attention or med- medical advice. And uh, is there anything else I missed? No, seek others. Seek we're others. Here, we're here to chat. We're here to chat it up and inspire. And AJ is going to add to that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a patient, okay. uh, and I'm going to share my patient experience. Okay. Um, and you will hear over and over again the fact that I have an extensive team with extensive education, right? And p- who are powerfully continuing their education. Mm-hmm. Um, none of what I'm going to talk about today, I've done alone. Okay. Um, and really, if I don't make any points today, the point is it cannot be done alone. You know, that's going to make me cry a little bit because mm, um, my mother's journey, she was very much alone. Mm -hmm. And um, in private, when we were talking about it earlier, I'm 100%, no, not, I'm 99% sure that my mom lied to those people to get the surgery. Mm -hmm. I am 100% sure because she (laughs) asked me to sign papers. Oh, okay. There's a lot to this. There's a lot to there's the, a lot to, to our story. To our story. I don't know if you want to start with that. Am I start? Am I talking about it now? I'm going to talk about it now. I'm going to do it. Okay. I'm going to do. It. I'm going to do it now. So, the time that mom mom criminalized ha- herself. <laughs> Shut up. No, as a producer. Oh no no. no. <laughs> okay. No, what, what, what? Thank you, so. Thank you, so. So. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't sign any papers. I didn't sign. She asked me to she sign. She wanted us. She yeah. wanted me to sign papers. So, um, so what happened was when 
I had Sophie. So it started, I started, we started noticing the process with mom when she was like, I would say in her forties, right? She was, she became diabetic in her forties. We're young. Yeah. We were, I was 18, 18. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was a a turning point that I noticed in mom, even though I became old. I don't know for me. Did I ever tell that's the hospital story about what you said when my mom, I'm going to tell AJ the story. Oh, okay. So my mom goes into a diabetic shock and she, passes out in public and an ambulance is called and she's rushed to the hospital and my dad does an all points bulletin board like calling all cars your mom was rushed to the hospital not exactly sure what's wrong I had I was farthest away Kathy gets there very you know pretty quickly she's in her late teens and uh, I was in my 20s I had Sophie I had the red car because I tried to drive oh, so my this car was a into different a time so she we already knew she was are we telling? No, you did no. not have Sophie. You did I not didn't have, have Sophie. Sophie yet. Okay, go ahead, tell. So she's in her late teens, and my mom just had complications with diabetes, whatever. <laughs> so she gets there. She's so by the time Kathy gets there, my dad was frantic when he called. So by the time Kathy gets there, everything's kind of calm. But Kathy arrives, like, is everything okay? And dad's like, it's okay. They tranquilized her. She's resting. <laughs> And Kathy's like, okay, good, good. So she sits next to mom, (laughs) like a good daughter, and she's holding mom's hand. And mom wakes up a little bit. And she looks and she's like, Kathy, I'm so glad you're here. And Kathy goes, mom, did it hurt? And and mom's like, hurt what hurt? She's like, when they shot you to tranquilize you. Like a goddamn elephant. (laughs) She put that shot her. I'm breathless right now. Breathless. They shot her like a rhino. I was like, all I saw was like them going, stand back with the guns up. And I'm like, clearly mom was a poignant figure in your life. Oh. She no, yes, 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 she, yes, she was. I didn't know what poignant was. Yeah, okay. Strong force. You have to translate. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so a lot of those things anyway the so. visualization of her being tranquilized and that's the only content i knew was the animal planet is like really <laughs> i was devastated so there was a time Wild kingdom yes so there was a lot of there was a lot of processing with mom's health because this is where when we talked about last week about me having i have a superhero syndrome yeah which is a legit thing and it came from mom because I was constantly rescuing her yes. with health issues. Well, she was a crisis creator. And, and that was the way. How, and that's how she manipulated us to be in her life. Right. I mean, that's the elevator pitch right there. Right. She was a okay. crisis creator. Yeah. And that's how we all rallied around. My mom actually kind of made up that she had cancer. Mm-hmm. She was told by a doctor she could have cancer. Mm-hmm. So she, in her head, she had cancer. So we all rallied around her. Sure. And then she mysteriously and miraculously beat it. Yeah. I think mom was desperate for attention that she didn't get in love. And that's a, that's unfortunately a a lot of how, a lot of how people who can't, who, who don't really research their own souls and how they can create relationships mm-hmm. that they feel like it's easier to, it's like easier to be negative than positive with a lot of people. It's like, it's easier uh, to get attention because that's how we're trained. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say this all the time, like with Donovan is a good example. Like um, I call it the, we don't have a casserole illness. 
And it's like when if I said that my child, uh, God forbid, I'm knocking on wood, my child had cancer and I and I'm, you know, or a physical illness, people come over with casseroles. Yes. But when I said my child is mentally ill, which is the same, it's hospital seven times in the hospital. There's there's medication. There's constant need for it's daily. It's life changing. Mm -hmm. It has the same elements as a physical illness and the neglect of that. It could be so easy for me to create uh, a scenario to get the help that I need. If I said Donovan, so I would say Donovan's really ill and his liver's going to go. I got more attention because of he was, he was uh, right. And so I could kind of relate and understand. My mom taught us to do that. I did yeah. that until I was in my forties yeah. or my late thirties. Yeah. I used to rally the troops for no reason. Oh, the drama, the drama and drama. everything. And, Always, I, and yeah. I recognized that Ill pattern and we stopped it. Yeah. And actually, so, yeah, so we have yeah. a learned behavior that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, we have a very learned behavior. Mm-hmm. And so when mom, uh, she left my dad, uh, was weird. She, it was she, a weird breakup. Yeah, it was a weird breakup. My mom was, and my dad helped her move to an apartment. Yeah, my, bless but soul. she bossed him around still from being separated. Sure. So, so we don't have to live to with a, another person to be in relationship with him. Yeah, we, right. We no. Know that now. Yeah. Mm. But back then it was kind of, it was kind of interesting because I was living with dad cause dad was had cancer. She left dad when she left dad, when dad was recovering with cancer. Mm-hmm. So I was, I just had Sophie. Sophie was like three, two, two to three. We stayed with dad in a huge house and mm-hmm. mom moved to the uh, apartment that was 30 minutes away. Mm-hmm. So when she needed something done, I'd have to drive from where I was 30 minutes to go mop her floor sure. because she couldn't get up. And because Donna wouldn't do it. Right. So it was like this. Well, that's gu- good. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It was, it was guilt and it was a condition because I was, she kind of took advantage of my kindness because mm-hmm. I, I was, I'm a caregiver. That's yeah. just my organic self. But she yeah. also did the very manipulative thing like paid for Sophie. Right. She made you feel obligated because she would pay for things. Right. So she paid mm-hmm. for Sophie's school pictures and new shoes. Mm-hmm. Everything I needed because. And Christmas yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Cause Kathy's a young single mom. Yeah. And so my mom bought stuff for Kathy. And mm-hmm. so when my mom called and said, come up my floors because like, my diabetes, my legs, my this, that, Kathy would feel obligated to do that. I didn't let my mom pay for anything. So she didn't have anything to dangle over me. I had set those boundaries. So I was just the bitchy daughter. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. So I now understand why yeah. I connect with both of you. Yes. So Kathy, you are or were... Um, We'll say were uh, who I was, you know, in my beginning. Mm-hmm. And Donna, you were who I was for a short period of time through the transition to being who I am now. Mm-hmm. So the idea of having other people decide my life. Right. Um, so yeah. So let me take yeah. a, a, yeah. a sidestep from um, my pathway to my point here so um there's a philosophy around time management that suggests that inboxes are the pathway for other people to control our lives Mm -hmm. and we don't need inboxes if we're raised in an environment where we don't know that we have control over our lives right where we don't think that our choices are good right because opinions happen like gas pains Mm -hmm. thoughts are farts yeah it moves Right. Right. And if someone's fanning what we want away, like, no, 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 that's not it. 
we get to be the slave of someone else's agenda. And I, I definitely was enslaved to my mother's agenda to the point of, I think mom's biggest weight uh, was 420. Mm-hmm. And that's when she was living in that apartment and separated from dad and being psychic with my family is, was very difficult. It was before I kind of like, it was before I tapped into it, uh, really. <clears throat> and I remember driving by and saying, I have to stop by to see mom. And I usually didn't want to do that. And I walked in on her having a diabetic coma shock thing where she's foaming out the mouth her hands are clamped up uh she defecated like it was a real scene it was a real scene that i can't unsee and at that point i called 911 and i did all this and i was able to remember what to do in that situation um and she was she after she came to and she was okay in the hospital uh she was always very angry with me Mm. And I didn't understand why. And so the second time that happened, maybe a year goes by, or I think it was earlier, when mom had another diabetic coma Mm. thing. She was in the hospital. And I just had Sophie was, again, this was between Sophie being, and Sophie's like a timeline. So (laughs) Sophie's between two and four, three when this was going on, because this was the second time. She was in there, and dad was there. And I think, Donna, you were there. I don't remember. And I crawled over the the gurney and I grabbed her shirt while she was like in a coma and said, you can't leave. You you don't have permission. You cannot go. And this person, the doctor didn't, nobody knew what to do. And this old doctor in a suit gave her a shot of some kind. She came to like nothing happened. And then the regular doctors came in and said, oh my God, she's here. And she says, well, there was a doctor there that just gave a shot. My dad said, they didn't know what the, who the doctor was. Mm-hmm. That's when I realized that was the second time that I had manifested something over her will. And for 15 years, she never let me live it down. She said, you ruined my death. And I, and I didn't understand that because I'm older now, but I didn't understand what she was, why she was saying that to me. Like, why wouldn't you want to be with me? Why wouldn't you want to be with your grandchild? Why don't you want to love me? I don't understand this. If you love me, why wouldn't you want to be here to help me through things? And it all was associated with this struggle of her weight, her struggle of not controlling food, her struggle of her past she couldn't let go, uh, the resentment she had of me uh, helping her in any way. And so fast forwarding in time, now being somebody who ruined her death and her being angry with me. She was angry with me. And her way of paying me back for that is me feeling guilty. I should have just said, well, then it's on you, man. Good luck. You know, I didn't have the understanding or the heart to do that. I didn't have the boundaries to do that. And so then a third time this is happening was in 2012, 13, when mom decided to have the surgery. This was fast forwarding. Yeah. Mom is now heightened. She lost weight. She gained weight. She said she wanted to do the surgery. And dad and I went to support her. To You have to go to these um, support groups first to find out what it's yes. all about. Mm-hmm. We went. I'm sitting in the lobby with dad. I said, you know, she's going to die. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, within months. And he looked at me and he says, why? He, and I said, I'm not saying this as a, a pessimist. I'm saying it as a psychic. And I'm telling you, I'm not going to stop at this time. Right. I had to tell him, I am not going to have somebody mad at me for once. <laughs> yeah. Let it out. Yeah. Why would she be mad at me? I just, I didn't understand. She was broken because and she was very why broken. would you do that to your kid because she's broken Put that on you like that and it's like and to sit there with dad and say your wife is gonna i didn't say my mother i said i want you to know your wife is gonna die i'm not gonna help her mm-hmm. and he said okay he finally he calls me otome he was like otome okay he said and he took That's it beautiful. yeah he took it and there was an unspoken thing with us that I'm not going to enable. I'm going to stop the cycle. If she wants to die, this is a choice she has to make. Right. And I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to ruin anybody's death. And I wouldn't ruin anybody's life. And don't put that on me. And so I prayed a lot over it. And my dad and I had open conversations. And um, she sabotaged even the opportunity to get help. So Every step of the way. Here, I'll take the timeline from here. Yeah. So my mom, in her controlling life, decided a general practitioner is a waste of her time because a general practitioner tells her, you're not a picture of health. You know, my mom's an abusive diabetic. She wanted cheesecake. She'd have more insulin. She would, she definitely did not, she she had zero discipline. So she was using the drugs to control or, you know, to do whatever she wanted to do. She happened to see an endocrinologist because she has Hashimoto's like I do, mm-hmm. Kathy does. And the endocrinologist flippantly tells her, well, you know, people who get gastric bypass, if you get under a certain weight, you don't need thyroid medication. Yes. So my mom perseverates on that idea and doesn't consult a general practitioner and goes straight to a place that um, encourages her to get a sleeve uh, surgery, you know, get sleeve surgery. Yeah. And which also offers the same side effect, by the way, right? The the usual remission of diabetic disease. So Mm -hmm. this is what I understand happened. Uh, They gave her all kinds of paperwork and she filled out all kinds of paperwork. Um, in the follow-ups, I asked them, like, why didn't she talk to a psychiatrist or a psychologist? And there was a lot of vague answers to this question. And I, I was confused. She had the sur- So anyway, she's supposed to have the surgery on in October right. of 2015. And that was when Hurricane Sandy happened. And they it got canceled. So Kathy and I are like, well, this is a sign. Yeah, like we, we like, believe in signs. Yeah, you yeah, know, if you yeah. know us, you know mm-hmm. by how many. This is our seventy whatever episode. You know us. We're superstitious. We believe in signs for good or for bad, but mm-hmm. we do. And we were like, well, that's a sign. So, and then she reschedules it for the week after Thanksgiving, the following month. Mm-hmm. And I called my dad. I understood that dad that it was an overnight hospital visit. I thought my dad would be alone. I called dad. Dad after the surgery. Because at the time, my dad wasn't used to being alone. So I reached out and said, after mom's surgery, 
we can have dinner. I'll watch the hockey game with you. We'll hang out. And I see, and mom said, or I called mom, answered the phone. Dad wasn't home. The, the surgery was the next day. I was calling at four o'clock in the afternoon. And mom said, he just went out to get Chinese food. And I was like, okay. why are you having Chinese food? She's mm-hmm. like, it's the last supper. Yeah, It's the last, the big bang. You can't and me. I called Kathy and I was like, what the fuck? And Kathy was like, don't get upset, Donna. She, they're going to reject her. She's not going to be able to do the surgery mm-hmm. tomorrow. Kathy was very calm. And I was like furious. Like what? The motherfuck. Okay. Right. So then next day comes, dad calls. Yeah, she couldn't have the surgery because she didn't pass the prelim. Of course. Of course. Yes, of course. Duh. Second sign. So we're like, all right, mom. Like, do you see that this is not going to work out for you? Mm-hmm. So she let it lie for a little bit, but then we get the notification that she's, January. she's yeah. doing it in January. Sure. Mid-January. We're like, okay. And at this point, I'm rolling my eyes. I'm over it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I'm not involved. Sure. I think it's a bad decision. Me, dad, Kathy tried to talk to her and she just wanted the quick fix. She was always about the pill, the quick fix. Mm-hmm. When we know that our food issues go deep, mom never wanted to recognize the patterns that she was a part of. Mm-hmm. She resented us for trying to break those patterns. So therefore, that's where my dialogue with her stopped about this decision. Of course. Kathy continued because Kathy, as we know, mm-hmm. is her was her caregiver in a codependent kind of way. Mm. Right? Yeah. So I mm-hmm. am like out of it. Mom has her surgery on Thursday. Dad says it went well. It went really well. She's good. Okay, great. Friday, Saturday morning, I get the phone call. We're rushing her to the emergency room. So I get there. And she's, her kidneys have failed. Her sugar level went up to 600. Well, mm-hmm. here's the thing. They sent her home and said, you're going to, the first 24 hours, you're going to eat ice chips. And I'm like, mom, if you had a dental surgery and they told you to have ice chips as a diabetic, why would that make sense? It doesn't matter. What's your intake? You're a diabetic. Why is this not a part of the dialogue? I don't understand. And my mom said to me, you're right, Donna. They, they steered me wrong. You're going you're gonna to take up this cause for me. And I looked at dad and I was like, I was just so angry. And I was like, why is nobody asking, answering the questions? She's a diabetic who just had major surgery and she's sent home to eat ice chips. What the fuck? I'm like nobody with no experience. Right. That makes zero sense. And the emergency room doctors were very clear with, okay, this is what happens. They can't speak to, but every one of them came in and said to mom, who's your general practitioner? Who is overseeing this procedure? Yes. I don't have one. And they all, their look of shock on all of them. And that's when one of the emergency room doctors just pulled me aside mm-hmm. with the shirt on the shirt sleeve. And was dragged like, you out of the room. Oh, dragged yeah. me yeah. out of the room without dragging me out of the room. And she very eloquently suggested that my mother was being not so truthful. Of course. Absolutely. And perhaps that this is the consequence of that. That da, da, da. And that's when I turned to Kathy and 
I was angry. I'm probably blamed my, my father and my sister. Like, why isn't anybody like, why are we all here? It's stupid. Right. I was, that's where my place Mm -hmm. was. And I, you know, there's no, we harbor nothing. I was just reactionary. No, 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 not at all. So, well, I think the more important part that, you know, gets to be said with respect to the experience that you were in, Donna, is that you were in a situation where you were called to present. Correct. And in that presentation, your pattern of behavior was that you were to save your mom. Correct. 100%. And then I was in that mode for a good, I don't know, 36 hours. No, (laughs) 36 hours. While she was was, uh, in intensive care, she got the best care. She was sent home with better instructions, better blah, 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 better care because those emergency, those ICU doctors had their There's, shit together. Yeah, they were great. Mm-hmm. And so mom goes home and is told to have uh, like a clear liquid diet, da, da, da. Mom has 100% bullion cubes and she can't understand why her feet are so swollen. Of course. Because mom... The, the regular bullion cubes are the same as the no salt ones. Despite the no salt <laughs> capitalization <laughs> bold right. format on right. the Correct. order of operations in Correct. the prescription. Correct. The prescription. Please let me hear this. Let, let me hear this for myself again and say this again because this is most powerful for me. The prescription is specific. Correct. Yes, very specific. Right. My mother. You didn't meet my mother, AJ. She knows better than you. I facilitated Just discussion group that Kathy the the group that you talked about yeah you know, yeah at the hospital oh okay you know, and, and oh I, I have and a vision now yeah so in honor of um, the doctors and the medical staff at that facility I would prefer that we not mention it yeah I'm going to speak to the facility that I work with not because they are the best. It happens that their program worked for me right and if anyone wants to experience the success and the results that I've experienced you should find an organization that is as detailed and as specific yes, yeah. as the program that I get to follow on a daily basis. My right. surgery date was May of two, May 25th of 2005. And I've maintained my weight loss because I've maintained my engagement with the program. I continue to follow the prescription. Right. Right. I'm right. going to clap on that. So, Mm-hmm. The next thing that happened, mom gets rushed to the hospital again with further complications. Mm-hmm. When she has to have a procedure at that point, I'm not exactly sure. can't remember exactly what that was. But she, oh, no, no, no. I do remember. She had pneumonia. She got pneumonia being mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. She goes to the hospital. They uh, give her, they, she's there for some time, a week or so. Right. They finally have to puncture uh, uh a hole in her lung to drain her lung. She gets that done. And the surgeon takes me and dad and Kathy into a private room and says very bluntly, let me make myself clear. And I can tell you what I was wearing because it was so formative. Yeah, it was good. It was, it was, it actually changed our narrative at that moment. The doctor, the surgeon said, let me make myself clear. The hospital and medical establishment has done everything that they can to help your mother heal, to get her to a healthy place. From here on out, it is on her. She must do the physical therapy regimen 
or she will not live. And he was looking right at my dad. And my dad was like, I can't make her do this. And he goes, and he said, I'm saying this out loud because I've met your mother. And my, and dad's like, I appreciate that. And the doctor told us that, I believe, in hindsight, that he told us that to relieve us of our guilt of what was impending. Right. Right. Because he saw Mm -hmm. the writing on the wall. I know this because fast forward, he came to see my mother on her deathbed. Of course he did. Of course he did. Because he was more interested in the care of you as the family of the patient. Yeah, he was really. And, and And that's, I think, the defining characteristic of a good doctor. Agreed. Oh, he was. I think he was the most blunt. He was the mo- and mom hated, hated him, him because he was a truth speaker. Oh, yeah. Truth okay. speakers yes. are not well to, liked. To, truth to, speakers are not welcome. Yeah. In the world of Patty Verrama, although she would tell you otherwise. Hmm. So yeah, what happened next was she didn't do the physical therapy. She was sent to a rehab, which she hated. Of course. Now, can I just introduce? So she called me over and she was like, I need you to take care of me at home. Do not put me in a, in a rehab. Right. And I looked at her and I says, I can't do that because of the doctor. I was able was the first time yes. I said no to my mother mm-hmm. other than Thanksgiving. Yeah. Mom did but the like, you have to come take care of me now. now girls. Yeah. Now you have to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it'll be fine. Don't worry. I'll help you. I was like, I looked at her. I was like, what I will help you with is I will help you find a place that will help you because your needs are bigger than mine. So she did not. She was so angry. I've never Resentful. seen her. I, ne- I have never seen mom literally hate me. Yeah. She hated me. She yeah. looked at me and she goes, I will not forgive you for this. And she made me feel, well, I let her feel. I let her make me feel. Yes. Let me just, I allowed Kathy, her to make me Kathy, feel. Yeah. I chose to feel. Oh, thank you. I chose to feel. Thank you. I chose to feel like shit for a minute. And then I was like, you know what? Um, this is her path. This is her way. Mm-hmm. And I said, what I will do is find you the best place that I can with my social and service skills. And, that, and I did. And that place, I have to say, every single person that I know who've been at that place, they love it. Mom hated it. And um, I did. just want to go on, on a bunny trail for yeah. a quick second. Yeah. Is that the, the, the secondary plot, you know how television shows have the main plot and then the secondary plot, and it's usually like a love story. Of course. Um, in the trauma after mm-hmm. the earthquake or whatever. I smell the soap opera. Right, yes. <laughs> the backstory to that is that Kathy and I were still not healed from our estrangement. And uh, we were polite and supportive and communicating and not uh, connecting on a deep level. And this moment for Kathy allowed her like I think after that conversation and I bet Kathy doesn't remember she called me at work and said I need to tell you what happened with mom and it was a very long heartfelt conversation that I Mm. think healed us oh I don't remember that's the gift so that's the good in the shittiest situation you've ever experienced, ladies. Correct. The so, shittiest. Correct. And Kathy and I are making, and that's that's our tagline, you know, laughing at crappy situations since 1974. That's the tagline of our, of our lives. It started when I was born. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the tagline of our lives is that there's always, there's always a different 
way to be grateful about something. Yeah. So Kathy told, you know, mom hated her at that moment. And I think she knew that I, she knew that I was going to support her in this decision because she was watching me do it. And I was the bitchy older sister yelling at her like, you don't have to do that, Kathy. I'm going to tell our whole mom. life, our whole life, our whole life, our whole life. So she- Kathy made that turning point. Mom was in the rehab center. Mom was rushed to she obviously didn't do the physical therapy. And then uh, within days, she was rushed to the hospital with uh, they didn't know at the time, but it was carbon monoxide poisoning and carbon dioxide poisoning. Pardon me. And because she wasn't doing the simple breathing of course. She wasn't yeah. getting out. She wasn't walking. She, she wasn't, wasn't listening to physical therapy. She wasn't listening to anybody. So she basically that was damn respirometer. Why do right. I have to blow into right. this yes, thing? Yes, that thing. So um, she and when they took her to the hospital, and they called me for the fucking fifth fucking time in a month. I was just over it. Mm. And by the time I got there, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I know this part of the hospital. This is where they take rape kits. So you're not seen. Like we're in the we're in the trauma center. Not mm-hmm. that's not what they call it. Right. But I've had enough emergency room visits, and um, as a, you know, a sexual assault survivor, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this corner where you had privacy, and I'm like, oh, I'm back at this trauma place, and there was a severe burn victim there as well, and I was like, why are we here? And it was kind of clear because they had seen her for the last month like it was the writing was on the wall they knew they knew Mm -hmm. and so um whatever the what's what's the term for the specialist the oxygen specialist there's like a lung there's like an actual the guy who who pulmonary yeah the pulmonologist pulmonary yeah uh, yeah, it's a pulmonologist. Yeah, but also, I thought he was a technician of sorts. But a anyway, respiratory technician? Yeah, yeah maybe. Okay. Mm-hmm. He was familiar with mom's work, and he came down, and he was like, like shaking his head. He's like, oh, she was nice to me. Well, she was nice to you because he was always trying to make her comfortable. Of course. And so we went from there to palliative care. Mom uh, came. She was in a coma for 24 hours. We were at ICU. The interesting story, and I wrote about this, the interesting part of the story for me is that um, after 24 hours, she kind of woke up in the middle of the night and called for me, and I went to her, and she asked for my forgiveness, and I gave it to her. Beautiful. But the other interesting thing is she started reliving her life in slides, little snippets. It was very interesting. She said... The baby can't hear. My mom was deaf in her left ear. And she was saying the baby, and she uh, lost that hearing uh, from a high fever when she was a baby. And she said, the baby can't hear. And I said, what baby? And she said, and she was in and out, weird. Mm -hmm. She said, oh, the baby can't hear. And she was holding her ear. And I was like, mom, was that you? Are you a baby? And she just nodded her head, went back to sleep. Yeah. She woke up to tell me something about when she was five. Then she fell asleep. In the meantime, I said, do you want dad? Kathy went and called dad. Dad came. And, of course, dad was there for three hours, and she slept. She didn't wake up and didn't communicate. But we were all on, like, pins and needles because you don't know how long this is going to last. And then, for me, this was the interesting thing is that I did know my mom had a very traumatic childhood. Like there's no Lifetime movie I've ever seen that that comes close. 
it's so crazy cockamamie someday I'll write a fictionalized version of it because and people won't believe it. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. And she um so I did know this about her. She was like us, like a bigger girl. Mm-hmm. Didn't take shit because she couldn't because she had to survive. Mm-hmm. She grew up in Astoria, Queens. On the there was the Greeks, and then the next neighborhood were the Jews. And she had to walk through the Jewish neighborhood to get to her Greek school. And there was a scrawny little boy. Those are her words. Who used to get picked on, and he used to wait at the edge of his block. For my mom to come because my mom wouldn't take shit from the other bullies. And he she walked him to and from school for years. Hmm. And they became friends, but they didn't socialize together because they weren't allowed to in those days. And it wasn't that they weren't allowed to. It was just not done. You yes. know? And so I don't know that man's name. However, so at some point, mom looked at me and said, he came. He's helping me. He came to help me. So who's here to help you, mom? Mm. And she said, the Jewish boy. Mm. And I was thinking to myself, who? And I'm like, are you telling me Jesus is here, mom? Because come on. And then I was like, no, because she would have said Jesus. I'm like, the Jewish boy. And I just, and you know, when you're sitting in the dark for hours watching somebody die, you have lots of time to think. And I just thought of all the stories that mom said. And it clicked to me because she, Kathy stuck up for a a young person when she was about her age. And Mm -hmm. that's how we heard about it. And I was like, I wonder if it's that kid. And so when she woke up again, I said, Mom, is that the little Jewish boy from Astoria? And she nodded her head. And I said, oh, that's interesting. And I don't know in what context. She could Mm -hmm. be hallucinating. I don't know. And then she said, they buried him, Don. They buried him. He didn't want to be buried. And they buried him. Mm. And I said, that's interesting. So that's telling me that he had passed over. I must have wanted to say thanks to mom. Or he was ushering her home. He he was. And that's what my mom said. He's coming to help me. I said, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then later on, she mentioned other people. My Aunt Marianne, who she used to play Pinochle with. She's like, Marianne's here. And I was like, oh, you got the Jewish boy and Marianne. You got a party. And then my um, very good friend, Peter, uh, Peter and Peggy, uh, his mother had recently passed. And he told me, be warned that your mother will probably have a surge of energy, like manic, like seem like she's going to come back to life. Mm -hmm. Don't not don't be fooled, but just know that that happens before they actually pass. Yes. And that happened. And it was the craziest day of our lives. (laughs) She hallucinated. She was saying things. She was crazy. People were walking in and she was like, oh, my gosh, I. I know you. I need to give you my farm. Like yeah, was, she was like, she was like you're the angel. And then, uh, and then I was like, um, what farm? Are we getting a farm? Actually, uh, our our little Sierra, who's uh, babysitting Nico right now, her mother I've known since high school, and her and her mother came. My friend Maria came in the room, and my mom goes, I know that bitch. <laughs> it was. Crazy. It was, it was a crazy day. It was very fun. We could talk about it a long time. But mm-hmm. eventually, mm-hmm. of course, she passed. We were there. I was there for five days. Oh my and God. I finally needed to shower. 
and I needed to breathe. And of course, at three o'clock in the morning when I wasn't there, she passed. Uh, Kathy was there along with her. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That was some story for, uh, so for me, um, mom begged me and dad before mom passed. So this is my side of what happened. She wanted to come home and dad brought her home. And I said, that's a bad idea. Mom couldn't even get out of the, she was still heavy and she couldn't get out of the bed. And dad called me in a panic because mom fell and he couldn't pick her up. I was with my friend Melinda at the time. So I said, Melinda, we got to go pick up my mother. I was still mad because she was hating me. She was Mm -hmm. still hating me. So I came in and I, and I know how to do certain moves because I have a special needs child and we learned how to do it. So I was able to, to get her up and get her back. And I looked at her in her eyes. I don't think we've ever stared in each other's eyes. Like you don't really, you know, for somebody as disconnected as mom was, you know, emotionally, mm-hmm. like there was no like connecting. Like I couldn't put my hand, on, you know, I couldn't put my forehead on her forehead. Mm-hmm. You know, if I no. wanted to, yeah. we could do foreheads and stare and just right love now. each other. Yes. Like, like we are. love each for other. For those of you listening. Yeah, we're just like, look at, love you. Like the yeah. soul's open. Mom was not really receptive of that. Mm-hmm. I think in the, however, however old I was in my 30s, um, she, we locked eyes for the first time. And I was, and she was like begging for forgiveness. And I said to her, I said, mom, not only do I forgive you, but I, I love you very much and it's going to be okay, but I got to take you back to the hospital. We're going to yeah. go back. And, and I said, you can still be mad at me, but I, I have to do what's best for you. Right. And that was right before she, she was going to, like three days later, she was going to pass. Mm-hmm. So, here the whole family's together with her in the room donna and my dad are they're the they're the take they take care of all of us like i was not part of her palliative uh decision making i knew nothing about the funeral i knew nothing about anything Mm -hmm. so the day that she was about to everybody was there and everybody was exhausted i said you know i'll stay i was like i'll stay everybody else go shower there was an ice storm that happened so I'm alone with her and she's still like kind of fading. I've never experienced somebody passing away personally like that. So I didn't really know the signs. I usually get called in after because I, I volunteered at Vassar because I was did ministry work. And um, she just, uh, I looked at her and I was like, February 27th is a very special day for me. It's a, it's a, it's a very important day for me. So it was February 26th. And I looked at her, I was like, let me tell you something. You die on February 27th. I was like, I'm going to knock you out. Like, that's what I told her. She was still like in a coma. I don't know if she could hear me. And I was like, I'm going to knock you out personally. I was like, if you're going to go, go today or the 28th. You know, and I was just having conversation with her. And everybody had left and it was about midnight to the 27th. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, are you kidding me? Right. And I'm joking. I'm trying to like lighten it up Fozzy way. And all of a sudden she stops breathing. Then she starts breathing again and then I'm by myself and I was like, really? I was like on one of my favorite days. It's a, it's a, it's a love day for me. I was like, for all the days you're going to pass away on the one day I asked you not to die. So you think I'm going to forget about you. Mm -hmm. I was like, I promise I'm not going to forget about you. She dies. 
at 3.30 and I'm by myself and all these people come in and they're like, what's the deal? What's the plan? I'm like, I don't know. And I'm crying and I can't cry too hard because then they come back to, I, apparently I bring people back from the dead. Right. <laughs> apparently my gift is bringing people back from the dead. And I said, I can't scream and cry because she keeps, when I did that, she came back. So I just was trying to keep it together. I was trying to call these places. I was like, do you want to donate her organs? I'm like, I don't know if you want them. I don't know if you want, anybody wants them, but sure. But I don't know what mm-hmm, to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you were in a get Donna moment. Yeah, I was. And there was, there was no way it was an ice storm. Nobody I couldn't and, get there. And mm-hmm. I was pretty upset with dad. I was mad. It wasn't Donna's response. I yeah. know I'm mature. It wasn't her responsibility. It was my father's responsibility. Mm-hmm. And when I called dad, who was only 15 minutes away, I said, mom died. You need to come back. He's like, you'll have to take care of it. Mm-hmm. I have never been so mad mm-hmm. at dad. Mm-hmm. He was broken. Mm-hmm. He, was he was broken, but broken. I was angry with yeah, him to right put. I was the youngest. Like I'm, like you, yeah. re- you go, kind of go back. You stay at the age of your trauma. Yeah. So my trauma with mom was 15. Yeah. That was the first time that mom and I had a traumatic a, experience, a traumatic emotional experience where she rejected me, and so I was 15 working with mom and it took me a long time to just kind of grow out of that pain and move forward in it. And so I was mad at dad because I'm a 15 year old kid and my mother just died and you're going to tell me to handle it. Fuck you. You know, that's how I felt. Mm -hmm. How could you do that to me? You know, and I handled it and I did it and I did what I had to do. But I think that the process of this is that, I was so conflicted in seeing that this happened. It was like the first time I saw a premonition happen to me uh, long term, like seeing what was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen to me. I knew she was going to die. I knew I was going to be alone with her when she died. I knew that I was going to be stuck with something. I knew she had a message for me. And so, you know, I think that getting out of this conversation about our process, and I think you're healing. I think you're here, obviously, to help us through this this very difficult thing. Is that you know you have to you you cannot look for an easy way out. Oh yeah, there is no there is easy way. No right. easy way out. Right. And as somebody who uh, has suicidal ideations from the time I was way young, um, and always felt like I didn't belong here, and has been hospitalized and has had uh, PTSD and have all this kind of mental mental stuff going on, if you want to live your life and live forever, as Dad would say, you've got to follow the process and you've got to do your prescription process right yeah you cannot Mm -hmm. ask for an easy way out because not only does it pain it will pain you and that's your suffering if you want to suffer you can suffer i support people if you want to do that Mm -hmm. all right that's something but i'm not gonna suffer with you yeah i it's not my job to suffer with you Right. If you are purposely not following your prescriptions, mm-hmm. yeah. if you're not following your path uh, in 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 a way that knows that you know that will make you feel better, I am not your lack of your lack of planning is not my emergency. Right. Yes, you, you know. And while yeah. we were 
while yeah. we were in the ICU the second time, uh, there was another patient who from the same clinic, from the same uh, practice that had the same experience with my mom and they passed away too. Yeah. We met them at the hospital yeah. again. So there mm-hmm. were, so that soured me. Yeah. You know, f- to the whole, the whole idea of this path that she took. Right. But, uh, mm-hmm. it, but I opening, I opening and in hindsight, you know, dad and I was like, we're going to like, you can't sue. It was mo- mom. mom yeah. It was mom. The, the hospital, they yeah. did, they did whatever, even if they, they didn't do enough follow through and, I certainly don't want to put anything on the doctors no, in the hospital. No. Mm-hmm. This was my mother's choice. This was mom's choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and she's always had a death wish and uh, this was just her way out. Mm-hmm. And I, and I understand that now. Like, and I always explain this like from, from one year zero, when you're just born to about 45, you're, you're focusing on your entrance. How am I going to do this? And then from 45 on, you're planning your exit. Mom was planning her exit from the time she was probably born because mm-hmm. of her circumstances. And I, and I understand that. And my love for her is grand for that because um, there were things that were out of her control. And I don't think, I think that we can, I always find the good in things. And as much as we talk about mom and her process of what she didn't do, there was a lot of things she did do right. And that was surviving and trying, doing her best. And her best wasn't good enough for us. It was her best. Yeah. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to hear AJ's journey. All right. Okay, we're back. Yes. We refreshed. We peed. Okay. Yes, we did. Yes, we, we did. We processed. So, oh, my God. It was did. so heavy. All right. That was on. a lot of background for you, AJ. And it's so essential for the conversation and, and the the bend in the trajectory that I'm going to take us right now. Um, so first of all, um, I didn't mention this earlier. Um, I am a success coach in private practice and a motivational speaker. And with the hospital that um, gifted me with the opportunity to bend my life's trajectory Mm -hmm. um, there, I get to on a monthly basis when I'm in town, um, you know, the blessings of my life today don't always keep me home. So um, when I'm home, I get to spend time with uh, patients, peers of mine. um, And we we get to sort of, you know, have a, a peer um, conversation. There's some instruction. There's some reminder, you know, et cetera. But on a monthly basis, we have a, a what's called the post-surgery discussion group. And I mention that primarily because it's important that we not begin, you know, just like we got all this background on your experience uh, with a weight management solution. Uh, it's important that we never start in the middle of the story. And in my coaching, I find myself regularly saying to the people that um, call for um, support, um, I, I say to them, I feel like we're starting in the middle of the story. So for those of you who have been listening, thank you very much for being patient with us and starting at you know, allowing us to start at the beginning. So my beginning um, was incredibly abrupt. Um, I lived my life um, being doted upon um, by one parent and absolutely not by another. Um, And my 
my life story, my timeline got bent at a right angle uh, immediately following my dad's passing. Um, so this is cathartic, I think, for all of us today. Mm-hmm. So um, my dad passed away from an obesity-related cancer. And his experience um, was related to me following his passing by our mutual doctor. Um, I was blessed to have a GP, um, which is so, so, so important. Um, and, and I'll speak to having professionals, highly trained individuals on your team um, for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so powerful to have one person or one set of people who all know the same story. Um, and really, the most important thing for my personal wellness is that I have someone who knows my whole story. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and I personally have chosen to have a handful of people that know all the details. And a couple of them hold me accountable. They'll say, well, did you talk to this one? Did you talk to that? Does so-and-so know this one? You know, and like, and once in a while it's, you know, does your doctor know this or, you know, do the people that you see on a regular basis know this? Um, I'm privileged to live in a building where I have a family member who keeps tabs on me. Um, having people around me that I have enrolled to love me fully um, create a space where I can love myself vulnerably. So imagine this. Um, my dad passed away. It's about a month later. And um, I had handled everything. Kathy, How old were you? So I was 28. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Kathy, I handled everything. Right. Um, in, in which is why there's a part of me that's you. And Donna, there's a part of me that's you. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a sister. Mm-hmm. Well, I do have a sister. But I didn't have a sister who could partner with me right. in situations. Um, you know, for those of you um, that know me know that I have a sister who is the sunshine of my life. Right. Um, my sister is intellectually disabled. She's five years old. Um, cognitively, she's five years older than me. Yeah. Um, and I was there. I was caring for her as well. Yes. Um, so with the help of, right. you know, the triumphant support of WebMD, I had diagnosed um, a condition and I went to the doctor to get the prescriptions. Um, had I had my own prescription pad, I would have just write, written it myself. Because up to that point in my life, I was running the show. Mm-hmm. Right. I knew exactly what to do. I knew exactly how to handle it. Uh, when I was born, rewind all the way back to the beginning, when I was born, I was born for purpose, and I was held to that purpose for that entire lifespan up to that 29, 30 years old. So um, I was born to support my sister. Okay. Um, a lot of story, 10 other podcasts it'll take for us to unpack mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. But today we're unpacking choice mm-hmm. and personal care. So my doctor yes. is examining me and um, he it's it's my annual physical and, you know, and we're going to tackle this anxiety disorder that, again, WebMD and me. Right. You know, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> slash not a doctor. Right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, Troy, if you're listening, mm-hmm. add that. So, um, you know, bottom line, um, he's uh, he's examining me. I'm well over 500 pounds at the time. And. um I think we've all been to the exam for the um, the abdominal exam and the doctors like mm-hmm. literally pressing mm-hmm. their hand in like under your organs and right. I'm like, what can you feel there? You know, whatever right. in my head. But the real truth yeah. is, is that he's trying to be proactive. Right. But my lifestyle isn't presenting possibility or opportunity for him to be proactive. 
Mm -hmm. Right. And because I was in the wake, I was still in the hangover after burying my dad. He says to me, thank you, Dr. Carlin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being honest with me that day. He said to me, I have no idea why I'm doing this. Mm. Now, this is a Harvard educated doctor running, running multiple hospitals in the city where I live. Like his influence. His, okay. His, okay. His, the way in which he cares for patients is like a driving force. Right. Okay. Brilliant man. Mm-hmm. And his vulnerability that day shifted the entire history of my life. Hmm. In a way, snipped my timeline and started a new life that day. Because I said, what are you talking about? I'm very blunt. I'm very, very direct, especially with someone that I trust. Right, right. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm in my head thinking, are you fucking kidding me? You're blah, 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 and, blah, blah, and you've got a CV that's 165 pages long. Like, there's no, no, no way you would not know why you're doing this. Like, there's a protocol. You're, you're checking off the list. Like, you're going to tell me that I'm okay at the end and I'm fine, blah, 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 blah. The exact opposite happened that day. The exact opposite happened that day. And what happened for me was that he presented me with the fact that I possibly had a fatal illness. Mm -hmm. Because my anxiety disorder that I had self-diagnosed, which was just a pill going to fix, was not that, my friends. He told me that I possibly had a condition called sleep apnea, which is very, very common among the obese. Mm -hmm. Very, very common. So I was like, okay. And then he gave me a couple of steps that I would take following the experience. So then moving forward an hour, I get back to my office and I Google, first of all, how to spell this word, because now I have to text all of my friends about the fact that I have this like problem, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I'm forthcoming with, you know, health yep. and that type of stuff. So I'm moving forward. I Google, first of all, I learned how to spell A-P-N-E-A. Mm-hmm. So then I Google sleep apnea. And in the Google experience, um, there's multiple colored lines. Mm-hmm. And there's one line that's um, like gray, you know, and it's like the, the key words or whatever. Yeah. And it said a fatal condition. Mm. And I don't know anything about um, sleep mm-hmm. apnea at mm-hmm. this time. And I'm not having sleep apnea. Right. I'm not having this. Right. I'm not having it. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm not having it is because at that moment in time, I was the only person in my belief that was actively caring for my sister. And my father's dying wish was that I take care of her. Oh my gosh. That's a lot of pressure. "Ah, ah." So then it was, you might want to talk to Dr. Kelly at the weight center at UMass. Mm. And I was like, oh, oh, doing it. So from that Google search screen, I cleared that apnea because it was getting cleared, by the way. And I phoned Dr. Kelly's office and I made an appointment. So I then got enrolled in their program. So at that program, there's a few things that are really important. And and I, I'm going to raise them specifically because if they're not in your program, if you're considering a weight management solution that is medical in nature, yeah, it's important that a few things be really present in the mind of the patient. There are specific choose-in moments that must ex- must happen or, unfortunately, the very common experience that you had and the very, very, very common experience that your mother experienced is guaranteed. Right. Which is killing me to say. Because doesn't everyone want to go to the doctor and get well? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And doesn't everyone want to go to the doctor and experience the miracle of modern medicine? Yeah. Yes. The experience that I had was that there is a miracle in modern medicine, but in this particular one, it's very, 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 very much, very, very, very much seriously in the hands of the patient. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yes, I repeat as a teaching of the clinicians at the hospital that the surgery is 10% of the experience and the behavior of the patient is 90% of the experience. I say 10% and 90 all the time. Yeah. Interesting. So here's the problem. The prescription for recovery from obesity when the tool of bariatric surgery of any type is inserted is behavior. Mm-hmm. And there's an order of operations and there are specific boundaries with no bumpers on the lane, my friends. No gutters. If you don't keep the straight and narrow, you will not be successful. Yeah. Now, I'm going to take the death conversation out of this. Because, yeah. sorry to surprise anyone, but we all die. Right. right. My purpose, and the reason why I accepted your invitation, is to contribute, I hope, to the possibility that we could enjoy all of the remaining minutes of our life. And for me, I wasn't fully enjoying all of the minutes of my life leading up to the surgery. Right. And I opted in. I opted in. Mm-hmm. I really volunteered. Um, yeah. And anyone who thinks that bariatric surgery is a medical necessity, it's not. You just die a very young, miserable death. It's a voluntary elective procedure. And if you use it well, it will become the best spoon, the fanciest fork, and the sharpest knife in your drawer. But it has to be treated like gold. Mm. And why is that? Well, first of all, we are not gifted more than one body. Mm -hmm. We have not been caring for that body well. We've not changed the oil. We have not checked the plugs. We have not um, refilled any of the fluids. Really, truthfully, we're on dry. Mm-hmm. we're overfilled and on dry. Mm. Terrifying when we look at it from that perspective. Right. And my experience was that I had become a beautifully painted, like the cows in Texas and the bears in Burlington, Vermont, and the, um, the sea lions, or maybe it's the mermaids in um, Newport, Rhode Island, is the, you know, the decorative... You know, like community, um, the community outreach um, organizations that like paint these fancy things. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like a a symbol of the town. Yeah. You know, and each Mm -hmm. business does their own thing. Yeah. So I was a fancily painted, probably Tiffany, (laughs) you know, croissant (laughs) um, format. Um, I'm a very fancy lady. Yeah. Um, The nail color I'm wearing today is called Bear My Soul, which is why we're having this deep conversation. So, um. I was a fancily painted trash can. Mm. Nothing on the inside was in order. Nothing on the inside was useful. Nothing being put in was of value. And that was through the ears as well as through the mouth. And worse, the reflections from the mirror. Uh So I go forward with taking the prescription because I was not having a fatal illness period a fatal condition fuck no that's right not happening not happening because jennifer 
needs me. Right. right. At that time in my life. Yeah. Jennifer yeah. needs me. Well, fast forward to I get to enjoy Jennifer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Because 15 years later, you know, I was sharing with you last night, Jennifer lives in shared living and right. Ruth's got it handled. You know, like <laughs> I don't, <laughs> like truthfully, she does not need me. Right. 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 And, and, you know, if, if, you, if Jennifer were here, she would tell you that AJ doesn't know everything. Right. You know, she's five years old, cognitively, but <laughs> right. she knows that truth. <laughs> right. Right. And through the last 15 years, I've become aware, intimately aware that I do not know. Because what was happening is I was eating to take care of myself. You know, I'm Italian, like you. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, you're good. Uh, <laughs> I think that's Jewish, though, Kathy. You know what? It's the same. Well, no difference. They're all the same. It's all the same. So, so for me, it was, you know, good grades, cookies. Good, uh, you know, good grades, meatballs. Good right. grades, pasta. Oh, you know, for like, us, it was, it was bad day. day. It was like, bad it's a bad day. day. Eat. Mm-hmm. Celebrate. Cake. Eat. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yes. It was whatever. Everybody mm-hmm. getting together. Entenmann's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like, it was oh, my God. Entenmann's cheese. <laughs> yes. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Cheese. Yeah. yeah. No Absolutely. raspberry for me. Right. No. <laughs> so, you know, you know, in my experience in preparing for my bariatric procedure, my weight loss surgery, we'll call it, um, I consulted with a nutritionist. Yeah. I consulted with a behavioral psychologist. Mm-hmm. I consulted with an um, exercise physiologist. I consulted with a bariatrician and a surgeon so for those of you Mm -hmm. that are mathematical you counted five so a handful of people had to raise their hand to say yes he can do it right exactly so did your mom lie i don't know i did yes she did she did she did did she admit that to you uh no, but I saw the paperwork. And she got okay. caught in it. She got, she got caught, caught in so it. So in your observation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The lesson here, my friends, is don't lie. Don't lie. You only get one body. That's it. Anybody have a seized engine in an automobile ever? Mm-hmm. That's what happens when we don't care for our bodies. That's right. And we, we can't buy a new one. There's yeah. no, They're not available on eBay yet. Yeah. And yeah. when they are, I'm not buying one. Yeah. I'm not. Mm. I'm, I'm all set with that and and i i i'm i'm yeah. deeply um enmeshed with people um in a very very healthy way that talk about you know the container and you know all of that stuff and i do subscribe to all of those um thoughtless you know and and, and ways of um approaching life and perspectives yeah. right the truth though is i'm very happy with what i have um and the body that i have today is a tool um not only to bring peace and light to the world but also, it's a symbol that you can. Yes. Mm. So, you know, Kathy, we were talking earlier um, when you brought me my delicious coffee. Um, yes. We were talking earlier that I have a very specific vision yeah. um, for the world. And it's that all humans get to experience healing flight. I loved that. Yeah. I loved that. Um, yeah. And that came from um, an experience where I came into awareness that i had been grounded yeah i was a winged being mm-hmm. grounded mm. that's the best balance mm. that's yeah. the best balance later i learned that i wasn't the only one um because i got to um read the book jonathan livingston seagull mm-hmm. um if we ever do a book club we're gonna start with that mm-hmm. one. It's, it's a brilliant piece brilliant and, um, you know, that being said, I'm at the weight center. I'm learning all of these things about me. And 
each of the clinicians have very, very specific lanes that they're working in. And what's happening is the only commonality about the experience is that I'm showing up to every one of these appointments. Right, right. And 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 this is happening and and and, and that's happening and, and and oh my god, this is and, and oh shit. I made this. Mm-hmm. And there's no beat up. There's absolutely right. no beat up because I didn't know. Right. I learned many, many, many years later, just a couple of years ago, that everything that everyone has done, and I'm here to tell you on behalf of your mom, mm. she used all of her power and she used all of her strength. And with the very, very, very best of intentions, she did the very, very, very best in her life mm-hmm. for her and for you. Mm-hmm. She did not know. Mm-hmm. And she hated you when you told her the truth because she knew it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She knew it. Yeah. So here I am in that same place right. in my life. I'm huge. Huge. Okay. Flying on airplanes with two airplane seats. Two airplane seats, belt extenders. Okay. I'm being approached by the desk agents in the, I could be seen as huge across the room. Okay, right. I stuck out. Right. Okay. I was the elephant in the room. Mm. And thank God I was gifted yeah. with a warm heart. Yeah. So that when that terrified desk agent came over to me and said, Sir, while they inhaled, I said, I already have the second seat, hun. Right. And then joy fell upon them. They ran back to their desk. They got me my, uh, you get a little placard. Right. You know, for your second seat. So that when people are boarding the airplane, they know not to act with your spare seat. Right. And really, who wants to sit under my thigh? No one. No one. Uh, me. (laughs) (laughs) That would be me. I find comfort in that. Sorry. I like it. I like it. You're Mm -hmm. thankfully the one person on my (laughs) side. So then, you know, we go forward. Me, right. me, myself, and I, we go forward in this experience, and I had a lot of bumps in the road. A lot of bumps in the road. Mm-hmm. Because I'm eating to live. Right. As opposed to living to, to, to eat. eat. Yeah. You know, and really, like, you know, we're talking about a weight management solution today. We're talking about a choice to live a fruitful, healthy life of wellness, but we're giving up for all intents and purposes, the conduit yeah. to everyone else in our life. Right. You know, our cultures come together around food. Our cultures handle all of our emotions right. with food. Right. Our being, our mm. species, mm-hmm. our species, humans, let's get lunch. Let's yes. have a drink. Yes. You want to get a coffee? Right. Oh, my God, you've had a tough day. Let me take you out for dinner. Yeah. I don't have any friends. I wish I did. Lying. Lying. Put up the dishonesty alert, Sophie. (laughs) I have a couple of friends that today, I did not then, but today I have friends who say, you don't sound right. There's something wrong. What's going on? Right. They're not looking to warm it up with a cup of coffee. They're not looking to stuff it down with a burger and fries. And they're not. That couple of friends that I have today are not going to let me not handle it. Right. But back then it was a 20 nugget and a couple of this. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. You know, oh my God. So imagine what it's like to stand 
not heavy in front of a group of people and say, oh, yeah, I ordered um, so many things from um, Dunkin' Donuts um, that they would ask me how many napkins I needed. Do you want those in separate bags? Right. You know, things like that. McDonald's the same way, you know, and they, they would say things like the the person at the speaker box would say does the person that wants the number seven want because right. i was ordering for multiple people you know and i don't have a right. multiple personality disorder but i was eating enough food to feed a village so can i ask you i, I thank you so much for sharing um your story in this is one of the things is like when i talk about pain-based behaviors um in in behavior in management is it's like an iceberg. It's like we see the iceberg is, you know, you see it, but you don't see what's underneath. It's miles underneath mm-hmm. that iceberg is miles and miles and miles. So the, the top of the iceberg is actually all the behaviors that you see. And we want to change those behaviors. So when you want to change those behaviors, you're not looking at underneath. Mm. So while you're looking at all the behaviors of overeating and processing and covering up and filling voids, during your work, um, what was the foundation of underneath? What was the cause of the behavior? Did you did were you able to really understand and rectify why you were eating? Because I could tell you why I was overeating because mm-hmm. I was protecting myself, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I no longer need to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but why? What was your? Do you know what your cause was? Is that something you talk about? It is something that I talk about, and it's it's really a succinct a succinct statement yeah it was the only control that i had in my life amen the only control there were men there were multiple factors in my life where i was absolutely without choice i think i've heard that from anorexics yeah they have Mm -hmm. the same same control you know what's interesting is that when we talk about all these um all these um ways and tools to make change happen is that I think that this discussion is really great to go back to a foundation. If you want to change something in your life, stop looking at, you should understand the behavior or look at the behavior, but then look underneath a why. It's like with, with a child, if a child is screaming, if a child is crying, if a child is, you know, like spitting and, and cursing, that's great. That's, we see that, but there's what's under what's in the underneath of the iceberg why is this child screaming and hurting and there are things that you won't even know unless it's you we don't know why they're screaming till later on when we find out that maybe they're getting bullied at school or somebody said something that hurt their feelings or they feel neglected in some way mm-hmm. it's like we have to do that with ourselves so before you change your behavior before you take these measures of changing something go deep underneath and talk to someone um, a peer counselor, uh, talk to a therapist, talk to a friend, talk to somebody who, you know, may have some kind of direction so that you can really understand what is it that you're really changing. It's not just the behavior. It's the feeling that creates that behavior. You're absolutely right. And when I got to what it was, success became the only result. Amen. Mm, the only twice. result. That's right. That's right. When I got yeah. to the cause, success yeah. was the only result. That's it. And it and it took a lot of milestones from A to B. Right. Um, to you know, to beginning to discovery. Yeah. You know, from scope to discovery, however you want to look at it. Right. And and know that it's child psychology. Yeah. I I'm completely aligned to the idea that uh, we carry uh, we we 
are the age of our trauma. Right. And I don't know what that age was, but I know that I was stuck on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I, I haven't gone that deep into my work. Right. I do know this, though. I know that I, A, did not have control over the life that I was in. Right. B, the sneakiness was an incredible endorphin rush. Right. There's a reason why we overeat in the automobile alone. Yep. There's a reason why there are 50-gallon drums at car washes. Yep. Hmm. Why do do we need 50-gallon drums at the car wash? We're there to wash some dust off of our car. But there's so much baggage there's yeah. so much refuse from our lives yeah. that gets to be unloaded in those moments yeah and for me it was spinning through the car wash to empty the the mcdonald's bags and the wendy's and the pizza boxes you know whatever right. um i can eat a fresh pizza in the car driving on the highway sure hmm. sure i can eat a sandwich and fries and talk on the phone and drive right um both of my knees know how to steer yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, it, right. It's, you know, it, it's what I got to, you know, there. And then skip over to what's life like without it. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who don't know about the after effects of um, surgery, you know, Google Star Jones, Google Charlie Weiss, um, Google, um, uh, oh, the meteorologist, um, help me with his name. Al Roker. Al Roker, yeah. um, you know, and many, many other people. You know, those right. are the people that you know went in, paid for it, um, likely misrepresented something. Right. Um, and and let me say this: le- the the preface of likely is is entirely important because in the moment, it's possible that they did not know. Yeah, I've met patients, um, yeah. and I've you know I've, I've sort of from you know advised from a, an askance perspective the i um the future right you know, where i will say things like if you're not sure you're ready don't do it but, well that's with anything i think that's with any decision mm-hmm. you make if you're hesitant you have to trust your instincts right and going back to kind of turning this around about how kind of bringing out an understanding mom's situation is that she was not able to see underneath the tip of her iceberg yet she just wasn't ready she could not face what happened to her in her life Mm -hmm. and she she used the she used it used food and used being large and used that as a crutch for her to hide all that hurt and pain and she did not have the tools there she didn't have support and friends and uh, she chose not to because she just obviously the theme was she got angry when there was truth speakers mm-hmm. so there's no way if she was angry at looking at the truth she couldn't see her own truth and that's why she that to me that's why i think that she 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 got her wish and she passed away this mm-hmm. was on her and i think that um the surgery uh, you know i thought i'm not i i I wasn't, I wasn't big enough. I was told I wasn't big enough to have the surgery at that point that I had to do it the long mm-hmm. way. And I'm glad that I had somebody who said, you know, that's the easy way out. Cause I was like, huh, maybe I can get a lap band and maybe that'll help me because I was so frustrated on not being able to lose this weight. But when I started doing therapy and I started uh, understanding behavior, when I started looking at myself, the weight started coming off. Mm-hmm. Had nothing to do with the food I was eating. Sure. It was the emotional. There's so many different ways of mm-hmm. why we 
we are structured the way we are. And you know, yeah. we, we think about um, you know anyone that has Instagram or Facebook or you know really you know access to the internet period or you know it, it steps out of their homes into the public space, yeah. you know on the daily gets exposed to some method. There's yeah. some method for yeah. anyone, yeah. and the reason why there is you know keto and Atkins and all the others, you know, and those are really just the extremes. Um, and you know, Weight Watchers, and you know, there's Jenny, Noom and there's and, Lou, and know. you know, there's yeah. all these people. Um, is because there's a lot of people in the world, yeah, and there are cultures and races and blend that has happened over history, and that has a direct impact on um, m- metabolism, yes, yeah. So, in that metabolism. <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Kathy, you know, probably be a future podcast, but you shared with me some information last night. You took an opportunity to pursue the possibilities that were available to you. And I bring that up because your present solution that's working, that is non surgical, non surgical, has to be explored before surgery is the option. Right. So, Surgery, mom. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, Donna, say yeah. it again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right, mom. Because surgery yeah. is supposed to be last resort. The last resort. Yeah. You know, and, and the program that I went through is rigorous enough that yeah. I had to prove that it was the last option. Um and anyone that thinks that it's a easy option has not walked a mile in the shoes. No. He hasn't taken five steps in the shoes. Because really, who wants to have their stomach removed? Who wants to, you know, or or separated, you know, taken out of the pathway? Mm-hmm. Okay. I came out of um, surgery with a four ounce stomach pouch. Anybody have a Gladware salad dressing container? Mm-hmm. Fit your whole dinner in that. And then we'll talk. That was my John Rivers moment. So <laughs> I get to get comfortable with that before surgery. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mom was ordering Chinese food. Yeah. 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 And, and I've a- met people who got denied for their surgery because when the doctor opened them up, there was still multiple meals in their stomach. That's not following the prescription. Right. And following the prescription is a life choice. That's right. A life choice. When I got started, I got the prescription. Mm-hmm. And I practiced the prescription for nine months before I had surgery. And I continue to practice that prescription to today. Mm-hmm. You know, on my way here, you know, I got the request. You know, are there any dietary needs? I yeah. do not eat sugar. I do not eat processed sugar. Not because it's a choice. The choice right. was the you surgery said it was that an I allergy. did. Right. So I chose that allergy. You know, right. It wasn't a day I was out eating, you know, with my love having chocolate covered um, strawberries and my face blew up or my, you know, right. you know, my back got itchy. It was that I was told prior to the surgery that I was going to be unable to process X, Y, and Z. Right. And X was sugar, processed sugar. It's not going to work. And these are the things that will happen if you do. And at one time, I did make the mistake of testing it. Oh. And I will tell you, the textbooks were right. Mm. And never, ever, ever do I want to feel that way again. Right. And people sometimes say to me, um, and, you know, this, you know, um, uh, graphic um, content 
um, upcoming. Um, I'm sure they're not going to be surprised. <laughs> yeah, trigger warning. Yeah. So people say to me, well, like, what if you had a little bit? And I would say, well, I would shit myself a little bit. Well, what if you had a lot? Well, I would shit myself a lot. And the truth is, I'm not really going to do that. But what's remaining of my gastrointestinal tract is not prepared to handle how that processed sugar experience is going to land at the later stages because my stomach, that juice factory, is not there. Right. So I don't have the ability to process it. So the right. body wants it out and it moves it out quickly. Mm-hmm. Quickly. So what do I do? I don't eat sugar. Right. I read labels. Mm-hmm. I'm vigilant as I am about most of the rest of my health. But now, I had to adopt that way of thinking, and I had to become that person before I went under the knife. Because one of the most important points about weight loss procedures is that it is not led or supervised by the Department of Neurology. So anyone that thinks they're going to be okay after they have a weight loss procedure, which is a gut reconstruction procedure, by the way, and they're going to be okay afterward is misguided. And the unfortunate thing is that they're misguided by themselves. Right. So we can use your mom as an example, but the truth is mm. this topic is, is true in every part of life, every part of life. Each one of us has a moment where we see the truth and we choose to step around it. Mm. We choose to step around it. I'm sitting in a class and they say, blah, blah, blah. And I think, uh, uh, uh. Right. They're like, you are it. And I'm saying, no, no, no. Right. Not me. You don't know me. And I respond that way. My reaction to that is because y- you are describing me. You're reading out of the book. You're reading out of that book of my life that's not published. Right. And why in hell did I remain alive? To the point at which I became aware of that. Well, I believe that it's so that I could be here with you. Mm. Yeah. And for me to be able to say, I tortured myself for the first 35 years of my life because I didn't know better. I thought I was doing the very, very best. And then I became aware and then I shifted. Right. So one of the blessings that I got at my birth was that God gave me zero pain tolerance. On a scale of one to ten, what's your pain today, sir? Says every medical assistant you ever yeah. meet. You know, even when you're there for the eye exam. Like, why do you care about my pain? I'm here to get a new prescription of my Q classes. The real truth is, is that we all experience pain. So if yours is three, mine is four hundred. Right, right. You know, on a scale of one to ten. A thousand, that's how I respond to pain. I don't want it. I'm thinking about pain right now and my back hurts. Or let's switch it. Let's yeah. switch it. Let's so, switch it. But here's the reality. I've learned that pain is inevitable. Suffering, which is really what I'm trying to avoid, is optional. Yeah. It's optional. So when I found that there was a way for me to live a free life, mm-hmm. I took the opportunity. And I've done that four or five times in my life since then. But the big, big, big turning point for me was that I learned that there was a prescription, there was a format, there was an order. Um, and you know, personality perspectives, I love control. I love control. And I had none. So I got an opportunity to flip my life upside down and become a contributor to my health. 
I love that. AJ, uh, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about as you were talking, and thank you so much for, that was really inspiring. You really, ins- like, I was like, our eyes are like, ah, what are you t- <laughs> it's so good. I don't think I could do that again. You didn't see my eyes. Um, is the will po- people, the, the choice beforehand before is looking at the willpower. Mm-hmm. You obviously have a strong willpower. I don't. You, you, you obviously, I'm going to tell you, you, maybe in the past you didn't, but today you do. And we're working in the present. So your past behavior obviously has changed because you've kept the weight off. Uh, I, I mean, you're not, you're, you look, fa- I mean, you probably yeah, are I'm wearing size 40 lucky jeans. <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. It's amazing. So obviously keeping that up, there's a sense of, uh, there's a sense of uh, really strong. We're talking about solar plexus this week. I just wanted to go back to that is that um, on Patreon, we're at the solar plexus chakra, which is all in the, your stomach area where your chi goes in and the energy. And that dynamic of vortex is all about willpower, motivation. It's about determination, determined to be determined. So going before taking that step to that to the last resort is really finding out where's the lack of willpower. What's the determination? Wanting to live. Or sometimes I tell some of my clients is like, do you want to live or do you want to die? So before I put my energy and trying to help you, I need to know if, if I'm, I can meet you where you're at. Because if you don't, I that there's another platform for you to go to, is that making the decision that you want to live, making the decision that you want to be healthy, making the decision that you're going to try your best to have good willpower, to be determined that you want to be happier and healthier, making the determination that that you can make change and that change is happening. You don't have to settle in what's not working right now. And so that dynamic is this is I think is a formula of success as well. Your determination and your willpower is unbelievable. Like you made a decision and you stuck with the decision. Most people, I don't like to use the term fail. I like to use the term like um, maybe not this time. <laughs> maybe not this time it worked out because there's a, there's a there's a part of the formula that's missing. Mm. Is trying to fix the energy point. So that's that's how I see it. Your 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 story is so empowering, and um, I think now it's more talked about. This was in two thousand. I don't know if it, when mom passed away. Two thousand thirteen. Thirteen. I don't know if this was still a new thing or not. I don't. It's sleeve, possible that regionally it was, was new. new. The, the sleeve, sleeve was, was new. It was like a new thing, and mm-hmm. I think people mm-hmm. are, ta- are are talking about it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad we had this conversation. One thing I want to add with yeah. regard to your acknowledgement to me, Kathy, first is thank you. Oh, you're well, yeah. Um, we don't, we as humans don't always see or understand. Mm-hmm. I'm still in pain management mode right. today. Your yeah. acknowledgement is shifting me out of that. Oh, amazing. The ice, a little more of the iceberg has melted. Mm. That being said, each moment in our life, each choice that we make is hugely impactful to our future. We don't know what we're going to see on the road that we take. And I quit the fuck it and started living by the fuck this. Mm-hmm. I'm not settling for less. No. At all. No. And okay. won't. No. Not happening. Give me a high five. Not happening. Not and, happening. And high with five. the people that I work with, yeah. I fight them on that. Mm-hmm. Because I will not flee them and I will not remain quiet 
you know, for those of us who you know do any abandonment work, there's fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. I will not remain still when I see greatness in a person that's being ignored by that person. It will not happen. Mm. Not on my watch. Right. Uh-uh. And I will tell someone exactly what I see in them from love. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the truth is, we don't get loved in this country. We get people who want to like us. And we get people who want them, who want us to like them. Let me say that correctly. In America, we don't get loved and we don't love. We play the like game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do enough for you to like me and I'm going to like you. Right. But I'm never going to get intimate. And a lot of us don't allow people to see into us. You know, my favorite definition of intimacy is into me you see. Mm. You know, and that day that you allowed yourself to see into your mother and mm. when she opened the windows to her soul, you loved her. Yeah. That was again that day when you were like, uh-uh, you're going back to the hospital. We're not playing this game. Mm-hmm. Because in life, we can be a player, we can be a spectator, and we can be a commentator. And I can sit on the porch and let life pass by, mm-hmm. or I can get out and be the grand marshal of my parade. Mm-hmm. And anyone that isn't throwing a parade for themselves today, get the fuck out on Main Street. <gasps> oh my God, get out there. Get, get out the drum there. roll. Get, right? the, get, the, be, get the outfits. Right. Who be doesn't want to wear that drummer. outfit? <laughs> be your own drummer. Be your own drummer. Because the willingness that you talked about, yeah. and, and Kathy, you referred to it as willpower, and Donna, you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I feel like I'm sitting with cheerleaders here. The truth is, is that there's a very, very strong feeling of aloneness in personal care. Mm-hmm. And if there's anyone that yes. does not feel like they can do it because they have no support, Get your ass on my website and let's get an email going because you earned it. That's right. You earned it. it. If you ever did one good thing in life, you get love from another human being, period. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no question about it. And don't forget, your struggle might be the reason why you're here. Amen. Yes. Yes. What is your website? www.ajleto. Com. It's my name, AJ Lido. AJ Lido. AJ Lido. Well, thank you, AJ. Thank you, AJ. This might be the first of many, hopefully. I'm oh. down. Oh, it's family here. It's yeah. Like, it's like I told you, the sisters are in. I know. I feel the like if you lived in. close by, <laughs> it would be trouble. There would be, we no, would have be a trouble. second podcast. <laughs> we, would, we would produce AJ's podcast. Oh, my God. You're too far away. you got to move closer. We're going to figure out how to I think I'd probably want to go closer to where he lives. <laughs> me? <laughs> I never want to go close to Boston. You know me. <laughs> so nice. So nice. Beautiful. Yes. Thank you, AJ. This was just such a pleasure. Um, so is there anything else we needed to add? I, I'm just, I'm digesting it was, what you there's said. One thing, no pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> so there's one thing that I yeah. want to add, and it goes back to um, Kathy's um, introduction of, you know, dis- disclaimer. Um, so you know, the, the idea of inspiration comes and motivation comes in the framework or in the category of entertainment. And mm-hmm. you know, the truth is, is that absolutely no one should be making decisions with the exception of the decision to seek clinically yes. licensed support. Yes. Um, and if anyone is in the process of making those decisions and they want to bounce something off of me, yeah. I'm open to hear that. You know, in my, um, on my website, you can schedule 
a session, um, an introductory session with me at no charge, and I'll answer any questions that you have. That's amazing. You know, Very the most kind. important That's thing a great is, resource. You know, it information is a... in life is free. Yeah. Um, and for and yeah. on this topic, um, certainly for any, you know any of the listeners here, the energy is worth it. Yes. You yes. Know, if, if I can create more healthy um, human beings, I'm on my vision. You that's know, how we get to fly. That's how we operate. Yes, that's exactly how we yeah. operate. One person at a time. Mm-hmm. Yes. One person at a time makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. It's a ripple effect. 100%. Who's in? I'm in. in. Let's go. Who's in? High five. High five. High five. Thank you. All right. Thanks, AJ. Until next time. my way.